Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. And this will be uh, episode 11. Yeah. 11. Previously on the Avenging Hour, in uh, episode 10, the swordsman tried to join the team, Captain America attempted suicide, and Mandarin showed up with his ghost Iron Man to confuse everyone. That, that's about right. <laughs> Not sure your caps are very helpful. <laughs> Stuff happened, and now we're on to issue 21. All right, issue 21. The Bitter Taste of Defeat. This is another Stanley Don Heck comic. Let's get into the recap. Our story begins with Hawkeye replacing a fuse on a computer bigger than my house. Out of nowhere, Captain America comes in and starts badgering Hawkeye, leading to one of their typical arguments about who should be in charge. It looks like they are about to resort to fisticuffs when Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch arrive and tell them to break it up. The Avengers quiet down enough that we can safely leave them and journey to Zemo's old stomping grounds, South America. In the Amazon, we find one of Zemo's former mercenaries, Eric Yosin. Justin? I don't know. I'm just going with the actual pronunciation, the hard J. Who's been hanging out at the ruins of Zemo's old fortress after all the other mercenaries did the smart thing and got the heck out of Dodge. Apparently, Eric saw Zemo create Wonder Man, low those many issues ago, and is convinced that he can duplicate the process and give himself the same powers. The Enchantress has been magically watching this room, I guess, waiting for some schmuck like this, and decides to lend a hand. She hurries off to Earth and introduces herself to Eric, agreeing to help him. They succeed in their quest, and Eric soon has the same powers as Wonder Man, which are the typically boring superhuman strength and limited, and limited invulnerability. Much like Wonder Man, Eric doesn't understand the need for a costume or corny name, but agrees to accept the name with which the Enchantress christens him, Power Man. We return to the Avengers, who have received a call from the Team Brigade, warning them of a monster running loose on Sutton Place. Cap's kooky quartet heads out to engage the monster, which kind of looks like a giant werewolf with a horn on his head and wearing an old X-Men uniform. And although they're doing their typically good job of destroying property, they don't seem to be having much effect on the baddie. The police soon show up, and just as they do, the monster vanishes. The police, with no evidence of a monster, as no one else claims to have seen it, yell at the Avengers for all the damage they've done. The Avengers vow to get to the bottom of this mystery, while the Enchantress and Power Man chortle like giddy teenagers over how the Enchantress's magical illusion made their foes look like chumps. The next day, the Avengers get notified that someone is in the subway, trying to destroy the tracks and frame the Avengers. Quicksilver rushes to the scene of the reported crime, only to be quickly overcome by Power Man. He leaves the flattened speedster in the middle of the subway tracks, and when the other three Avengers arrive, they find Quicksilver about to be squished by an approaching train. Hawkeye saves the snoozing speedster, but damages the train in doing so, again making the Avengers look bad. The Avengers, crestfallen and demoralized, return to headquarters, with barely enough morale left to argue amongst themselves. The next day, the Enchantress and Power Man are at it again, attacking some guards and magically drawing Captain America to the scene. Cap and Power Man engage in battle, and Cap is soon knocked out. As some concerned citizens step forward, we find out that the guards were actually disguised crooks. Power Man looks like a hero for stopping them, and Cap looks like the heel for trying to stop Power Man. Cap returns to the mansion to have another argument with Hawkeye, leading Hawkeye to decide that perhaps he can settle this on his own. Hawkeye heads to the address that Power Man had given the newspaper, giving him a chance to fight Power Man. He's holding his own, but is knocked out just as Quicksilver arrives, also investigating this address. Although the sullen speedster lasts longer against Power Man than he had in the subway, he's soon knocked out again. The Scarlet Witch arrives next to check out the address, but because she's a girl, she doesn't get to fight. Instead, she's met by some police, whom Power Man had called, saying the Avengers were trespassing. All the Avengers are escorted off the property. Soon, the city council decides to bow to pressure. Due to the negative publicity, they issue an order 
order that the Avengers must disband. The Avengers are stunned by the news and unsure of how to proceed. Cliffhanger? Kind of a... The cliffhanger is them all standing around going, Wow, do we suck. Seems an odd cliffhanger, but... I don't know. It's pretty typical for Avengers comics. <laughs> so true. So our roll call is Captain America, Quicksilver, Hawkeye, and the Scarlet Witch. Our villains are the Enchantress and Power Man. We haven't seen the Enchantress, of course, since the last time the Masters of Evil fought the Avengers in number 16. And Power Man is, of course, brand new. We will be seeing him again and again and again under a bevy of different names. He is the villainous equivalent of Hank Pym. <laughs> A man who can't keep an identity to save his life. He actually does get the same name as Hank Pym at some point, right? Probably. Yeah, they both go like Goliath. Yeah. yeah, not at the same time. No, that would be really <laughs> confusing. I don't know. Would it be? <laughs> it wouldn't even matter. <laughs> Two boring characters <laughs> slugging it out. So here we go. So before this, we get started, oh, I want, go ahead. you had your. Uh, you said the monster was on Sutton Place. Monster on Sutton Place. That yeah. was a, a really popular soap opera back then, too. Sutton Place. Uh, monster on Sutton Place. Seriously? Yeah, you don't remember that on CBS? It was good. <laughs> You're making fun of me. Now. I am now. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we start the issue with Cap mad because Hawkeye is changing a fuse, right? And Captain America says only Tony Stark can maintenance the machines. Yeah, I think that's in the bylaws. They have a rule against that. Does Tony Stark, a billion or a millionaire? Sorry, it's the '60s. He's still only a millionaire inventor, industrialist. Does he really have time to swing by Avengers Mansion to change fuses? That seems like that is beneath him. It seems like he would, if he if he's going to do it, he'd get there would be somebody else. He might send a technician to do it, but I don't really see Tony. Yeah, Stark Yeah, specifically pointed out that Tony Stark is the only one who can touch right? those machines. But I don't. I find that hard. What happens when the toilet clogs? They have to call Tony Stark too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, you know, Captain America, I hate to agree with, I hate to join you in your love of Hawkeye, <laughs> but I have to agree with Hawkeye at the beginning of this issue. Captain America's just being a jerk. There's no reason for him to be down uh, Hawkeye's throat like this. Ever since this kooky quartet has formed, they, they spend so much time fighting amongst themselves and arguing about everything. The first three pages of this issue, they just bicker. They also, again, we see this hint of a Captain America Scarlet Witch romance, especially when she says, his touch, so strong, <laughs> and yet... So gentle. I uh, I made a quick list of all the insults that Hawkeye directs towards Cap. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, he calls him Glamour Pants. Again, he had called him that, I believe, last issue. I don't think his pants are particularly glamorous, but we'll <laughs> let it go. Um, overrated has been. Okay. Smart, smart guy. I don't know if that's an insult. Uh, Methuselah. Nice. He is old. He called him Winghead four times. Wow. Um, is what? that an insult? Because all the Avengers call him Winghead. Is, I, I guess by the way he says it. Is that a thing that's stuck? Yeah, because I think he's still called Winghead occasionally. But, uh, but I'm sure it's the way he says it. Well, of course, yeah. Uh, also, Blondie and Big Man. Not really insults, but yeah, with that tone. Yeah. yeah. Hawkeye's clearly angling for something. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, Cap, once again, once again, tells everyone to stand back while he fights the, the monster all thing. All the time. You really do begin... And I'm a Captain America fan, but you really do begin to understand why these people are like, dude, you suck. I didn't even notice it until you had brought it up last episode, I believe. But even Hawkeye says something about it when he... Yeah. Stand back. He's like, oh yeah, sure. Like, always. Yeah, I mean, Hawkeye's not wrong. And I think Quicksilver's complained about it, too. And they're not wrong. Captain America seems to want to do this all by himself. And, and speaking of that monster that they're supposed to fight, the imaginary monster, that illusion looks more like a minotaur than the actual minotaur did that they fought a few issues back. <laughs> I kind of thought that, too. Now, now, while we're talking about the monster, I'm a little confused by the whole monster thing. We don't see the Team Brigade, but this is... First of all, it's nice to hear them mention... Yeah, they got they a call from the Team Brigade, yeah. Did they get a call from the Team Brigade? When the police show up, they say no one else has seen this monster. Presumably, one of two things happens. Either the Enchantress allows the Team Brigade to see the monster, so that they can make the call or it's not the team brigade that calls 
it's the Enchantress or Power Man the call. Or the Team Brigade are so pissed off at Captain America for <laughs> dropping him like a hot potato that they're in league with Power Man and the Enchantress, which is what I hope is happening. Well, I was kind of hoping that it was Power Man pretending to be Rick Jones, like he sucked some helium or something and <laughs> got on the phone and was like, I saw a monster! <laughs> I really like the idea that um, we're going to find out in like issue 100 that all the villains from issue 20 on were really being controlled by the Team Brigade. <laughs> that's my that's my hope. With their fancy hand radios. So why can't Eric Justin leave the jungle? Why is he why is he hanging out? He says I don't dare leave. Well why don't you dare leave? Everyone else left. Well there's no plane. Remember they, they crashed the last plane that yeah, could leave right? there. It just it just seemed it seemed odd to me. He's the first person to admit in a Marvel comic that he actually isn't a scientist. He That's doesn't true. even try. That's true. He's like I am an idiot. What's you you brought it up in the synopsis. What's with all the villains always sitting around watching normal people? on their space cable TVs yes, or whatever. Yes, they always can. They always know what's going on. And where are these cameras that they're watching these people from? You know, and I guess we'll talk... I'll and talk why about. is she watching them? <laughs> of all the people that she could be watching in the world, why is she watching this hobbled guy wandering around in the jungle? Yeah, what would she care? You think she, she's an immortal. You think she'd have better things to do. I'll be talking about my feelings about this overall plot later, but I do want to say that the plot, the Avengers are idiots. So Quicksilver <laughs> intercepts a radio call saying that someone is tampering with the subway tracks, trying to make it look like the Avengers are to blame. Who's making this call? And to whom? And why is he intercepting it? My, I mean, I have to believe that the villains are only, uh, the, this is a call that villains are have created to again lure the Avengers to the scene. But shouldn't Quicksilver be saying, who's making this call and who are they making it to? And how am I just picking it up? Well, we do know from issue number one that the villains are actually able to redirect radio You're signals right. to go to whoever they want them to go to. But if someone... So someone... Did someone... Is someone actually making this call? It Did someone see Power Man? No. I'm assuming all of these things are, are fake. The Team Brigade call, this call. I'm, it's all a really As elaborate plan. As am I, but why can't Quicksilver figure out there's something wrong here? Because he's Quicksilver. He's not a scientist either. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I didn't mention it in the recap, but what's crazy is Quicksilver runs through the subway at super speed ahead of everybody else. Oh, here we go. And the Enchantress <laughs> teleports the other Avengers to the subway so that they will get there when she wants them to get there. Right, and they mention it, but no one actually even stops to think about it. Yeah. Just like, hey, how do we get here? Yeah. Oh, like, well, we're here, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, you guys just got teleported and you're just going to let that go. We're just going to let it go. I was eating a sandwich and now all of a sudden I'm in the subway. <laughs> oh, well. I, I, they, yeah, there's no follow up on that. They're like, eh, I get teleported against my will all the time. I like the fact that why is Captain America flying around the city in a helicopter later on when he sees Power Man and the Enchantress? Why is he? Did I, does he have a helicopter? Yeah. Where did he get that from? That is unexplained. And wow. Power Man's costume is easily six times uglier than Wonder Man's was. Yeah, it's not. It's not a good costume. Mm, shades of brown. It's a <laughs> lot of brown in there. I have one last point for the... I don't know if you have anything else to issue, but I just have one last point. Do you have other stuff? Oh, I've got plenty. So, I mean, as far as the, the issue itself goes, we'll get to letters, pages, and stuff. So the Avengers are shut down by the city council. Yeah, do they work for New York City? The, yeah. In the past, we've talked about how they seem to work for the federal government and the Pentagon. And the city council shuts them down? Yeah, it seems uh, beyond their scope of power. Yeah, it seems like... And, and, and so if the city council shuts them down, they're like... This is the end of the Avengers. No, just move to Hoboken. Or, <laughs> right. you know, move across the river to Jersey. Well, you don't have to be in the city. If it's just the city council, heck, you can probably just move to, like, one of the boroughs. Just get out of the... Get out of the... Yeah, but, but they're poor. 
They can't. Right. Who do we know that has a mansion in Des Moines? We can go to living on the street in Yonkers. <laughs> oh, that would be great. You know, Aunt May's often looking for borders. That would be, really, be really embarrassing. They're all sharing one bedroom. You know, I, I don't hate this plot. Like, the general idea of this plot discredit the Avengers, get people to hate them, isn't a bad plot. It has been used approximately, and I did some research, it's been used approximately 2,477,365 times. In 20 issues, wow. In the past <laughs> in the past 50 years of Marvel Comics. Oh, in all of comics, I thought you were just Avengers. But, but at this point in time, it's not really that bad. I mean, it's, it's only been used one other time in the Avengers. With when, the Wonder Man. With Count of No, it's yeah. 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 They yeah. Did. What? <laughs> They didn't get um. They didn't weren't discredited by Wonder Man. No, I was say it's, it's it's basically a rehash of the Wonder Man plot, trying to fix the part that went wrong. I guess, yeah, to an extent. But yeah, I guess the basic true. plot's not bad, but the execution is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Everything hinges on coincidence. Speaking of coincidence, the newspapers actually printed Power Man's address. Thought that was great, so that, was that Hawkeye and them could find out where he lived. That makes it easy. Odd. Be, if you talk to the paper, I think they automatically print your address in the paper. I thought it was funny that Quicksilver <laughs> mentioned that he thought Tony Stark should be an Avenger. It's too bad he didn't have any powers. Yeah, it is. I think he said that while he was lounging on a chair. I think he, yes, he does. I he's, didn't notice he had... He's got little wings on his feet. Is that a new thing? Who does? Quicksilver. Where is he? There's little wings on his boots like uh, Submariner has. Are you suggesting that Quicksilver is Atlantean? <laughs> no. I'm sure they're on the. They're not on his actual feet. They're on his costume. I would like to point out, while I like this plot and I think it makes a lot of sense, the Enchantress could have saved herself a lot of time and trouble if she'd initiated this plot when Dr. Pym was on the team. Because there was tons of property damage when Giant Man was on the team. She would have had to do no work. She would have just been able to sit back. Well, Scarlet Witch pulls down an empty tenement building basically, to try and kill the invisible or uh, see-through Minotaur thing. I have nothing else about the issue, so whatever you want to say about it, say away. When Hawkeye shows up at Power Man's... Keep in mind, this, this is a house that he shows up at. Yeah, I don't know who rented this house, who paid for this house. I only say keep in mind because in the next issue... He's not in the house, he's somewhere else, and yet they're still able to find him, and there's no way it's the same address, so remember that. He's in the house, and Hawkeye shows up, and it's dark, and Power Man basically sneaks up on him, and rips his arrows off his back, and crushes them, and then in the very next panel, it's bright daylight in the house. Who turned the lights on? Did, did Hawkeye have, like, some flare arrow, that when he crushed it, and poof, the lights came on? He may have had a uh, light-turning-on arrow. And when Quicksilver got there, he tried to trap Power Man with the thin nylon cord that he evidently carries around with him all the time. Which wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea for him to have something like that because it would be useful for super speed to use it to whirl people around. Yeah, or to tie to a tree and then, you know, try and, like, clothesline somebody. Yeah, except for the fact that his his costume is completely skin tight with absolutely no place to put anything. Probably just had it looped around his neck. (laughs) He gets caught on the tree as he runs past. (laughs) Oh, poor Quicksilver. So before um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver show up at Power Man's house, they are out at a show. Yes, they are at a show. Because they are... What show are they at? They're always out at shows. They're they're metropolitan people. They are European, you know. They they (laughs) like culture. I guess that's what Marvel's trying to say here. When they they first showed up, she went to the opera and... Well, I mean, he went to the circus, but... And now they are out to see... um, Hello, Dolly. And they actually name-check Carol Channing, the star of the show. In there. I don't think they're, they're just saying Dolly. Was that the prequel? <laughs> Does that what it says? It says they were, just, they were leaving the hit show Dolly. Oh, mine doesn't say that. I wonder if they must have corrected it. Oh, really? So there yeah. wasn't it. So I wonder if Stanley had no idea what the hit shows were. He's like, Stan, or Jack, 
Jack, what's one of the... Oh, wait, he's not... Damn, Jack's not writing this book. Well, while... Don, give me a hit show. While we're talking about it, Hello, Dolly debuted on Broadway in 1964. So just uh, about a year before this came out, so it really was a... Was it a hit? It was a timely thing. Well, it was produced by David Merrick, who also produced Gypsy, Oliver, and Play It Again, Sam, among other things. And it was based on The Matchmaker by the uh, author Thornton Wilder. The story revolves around a meddlesome widow who involves herself in the love lives of several couples in a big city. The show won ten Tony Awards, You're which was a fun. record at that time. I am making fun of you completely. <laughs> and it was once the longest-running musical in Broadway history, running for over 2,800 performances. Now, Carol Channing originated the role of Dolly Gallagher and won a Tony Award for Best Actress with her performance. She also went on to win a Golden Globe for Thoroughly Modern Millie, a Tony Lifetime Achievement Award, and a Grammy Hall of Fame Award for the show's soundtrack. Channing was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1960. She donated one of her dresses from Hello, Dolly! to the Smithsonian, and most recently appeared in the Patriot Games episode of Family Guy, where she took part in Celebrity Boxing versus Mike Tyson. She won by forfeit after tiring him out. Carol Channing is 94 years old. Alright, so maybe I take notes sometimes when you don't think it's necessary. It's a little aside there. I just want to, you know, give some information to tie it in with the culture of the times. Anything else about the uh, the issue itself before we get to the letters pages? Well, I made a note that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for every issue as long as I remember. Uh, so for this we're, issue. we're keeping track of Scarlet Witch's hex powers. Yes. Uh, in this issue, she makes Hawkeye fall down, and she makes a building fall on a hologram. What and about a Hawkeye's arrows? Hawkeye's arrows. He used uh, the blast arrow twice. That's the. That's one. it. Yeah, nothing it special. Not, it was not an action-packed issue. No, no, not a lot for Hawkeye. So the letters page on the letters page, one of the letters mentions that there's a no prize whoever thinks up Hawkeye's real name. Yeah, uh, we so had mentioned before that he does not have an alias at this point. No, nope, we don't know what his real name is uh, unless his mom named him Hawkeye, which is possible. Hawkeye, sure. Hawkeye Smith. <laughs> no, Hawkeye just Hawkeye I. His last name's I. Uh, they also one of the uh, people here, one of the letter writers, suggests a an Avengers team of all women, which is crazy talk. Well, nothing would get done. They'd all just stand around. And who who would fall in love with them? And I remember uh, an issue during Roger Stern's run where Wasp, Tigra, and She-Hulk go out shopping together. Yes. <laughs> um, they. One of the letters, this is my favorite letter, suggests dropping one of them the team because she's too powerful. <laughs> right. She's the most powerful of all of them. Uh, she actually is, but you'd never know it, and I'm not sure why he thinks it. And someone here is really excited to see a normal-sized female superhero in action. Yeah, that's oddly fetishistic. Yeah, right? <laughs> There's also a letter from uh, Mike Friedrich. Mike Friedrich, who is that, Jason? He is—he's an accomplished Not comic writer. All. He, he Frederick, uh, Mike Friedrich was born in 1949 and got his start in the business by actually writing letters to Marvel and DC. Uh, he struck up a correspondence friendship with DC editor Julius Schwartz, who bought Frederick's first professional script in May of 1967. Two, two years after after he's writing letters to the Avengers, he's writing comics. There's a lesson for you kids if you want to write the Avengers. Just write a couple letters, get it published on the letters page. Uh, Friedrich wrote for the Teen Titans. Uh, he reintroduced the Phantom Stranger, I guess, during... Would that be Silver Age or not? Oh, yeah, That's Silver Age. Uh, and he had a 14-issue run on Justice League of America where he actually broke the fourth wall and wrote himself into a script. He moved over to Marvel in 1972 and scripted a pretty long run on Iron Man, yes. uh, almost 40 issues, during which he co-wrote the introductions of Thanos and Drax with Jim Starlin. He also worked on Captain America, uh, Astonishing Tales, and Marvel Feature, well, that had Ant-Man in it at the time. Yes. Friedrich is probably best known for the indie anthology Star Reach that he created, which showcased uh, work from Dave Sim and Howard Chaikin, among others, and he co-owned WonderCon, the San Francisco Comic Convention. 
that was sold to Comic Con International in 2001. Do I not have to take notes anymore? Or is it just because you're on vacation? I'm just sneaking up on you. Yeah, I had a week off, so I had some time. There is also I do want to I, I want to point out one more a letter that where someone calls the Scarlet Witch wonderful. Oh, that person needs to be hit. That is a wonderful letter. And someone also says that many uh, many many magazines feature foreign superheroes. But Marvel has superheroes from other countries. Not sure this person understands what the word foreign means. Because... Maybe he meant it is, is strange. But foreign means from other... Okay, whatever. MVP of this issue? Uh, do we have to have one? I'm going to say Quicksilver, and let me tell you why. Okay. Because this issue, he plays Peacemaker. Other issues, he'll fight. But this issue, he tries to, to keep Captain America and Hawkeye from fighting too much. Useless character? <laughs> do you have to ask? I'm going to say Quicksilver. Ah, come on now. <laughs> because even though he is vastly more powerful than Captain America or Hawkeye, he is useless in a fight. He gets knocked out constantly. Well, all he ever wants to do is run around in circles around someone. I don't know what that's supposed to do. It's so true. Avengers level threat? No. No, it is not. The Enchantress and Power Man on their own are not an Avengers level threat. Final grade for the for the book? I give it a C. I think it's an... I, again, I think the concept is fine, but the execution is abominable. So, that's issue 21. Well, let's... We don't want to leave people hanging, and this is going to wrap up everything beautifully. So, oh, let's yeah. move on to issue 22. I'm excited. This one is called The Road Back. The team is under orders to disband by the city council after being framed by Power Man and Enchantress as criminals, nuisances, and just generally poorly managed. So, of course... They bicker, scuffle, and insult each other for three pages before finally going off their own ways. Cap is uncharacteristically snippy, talking down to Wanda and knocking Pietro around before finally apologizing to Hawkeye. It must be opposite day at Avengers Headquarters. Steve offers a particularly emo soliloquy before traipsing off into the rain-soaked streets. The three remaining members try to get other work, Hawkeye at the Ed Sullivan Show, Quicksilver with some sort of carnival agent, and Scarlet Witch on Broadway. But the stigma of Avengers membership is a huge red X on all their resumes. Meanwhile, Ringmaster and his circus of crime are out of prison and licking their wounds after a dust-up with Spider-Man. Seeking some new blood for the circus, Princess Python sends the job-seeking Avengers members a telegram, presumably forwarded to Quicksilver's new address, but I'm assuming it was probably actually written to Former Avengers at Tony Stark's Mansion, New York. <laughs> An hour later... Somehow, the kooky quartet minus Cap are hired into the circus. How did the mail get there that quickly? Ringmaster is so giddy from the possibilities of having them on the team that he can't even sleep. Of course, the next morning, it takes all of one panel for the heroes to determine the circus is up to no good when they tell them that they're up to no good. Quicksilver takes his frustrations out on Ringmaster and Human Cannonball. Wanda handles the clown and Princess Python, and Hawkeye gets the best of the flying Gambanos and Bruto the Strongman. All is going swimmingly until Ringmaster turns sissy and calls the cops, accusing the Avengers of trying to rob the circus. With their reputations already tarnished, the trio of good guys flees the scene under the cover of a smoke arrow from Hawkeye. The next day, the world is sideways with panic over the newly disgraced status of the Avengers. Newspapers announce a statewide manhunt. Children in novelty t-shirts argue in the streets. And the police chase false alarms and crank calls worse than any delivered by Bart Simpson to Moe's Tavern. Everyone wants the original team members back, while Power Man and Enchantress bask in the warm embrace of smug success. Out of nowhere... A so-called press agent shows up at their front door, which appears to be in an apartment building and not the house from last issue, so I don't know how he knew where they were. He's chopping a cigar and going on about the two baddies beginning their own Avengers team. The press agent tricks Power Man into admitting they framed the Avengers and then reveals himself as, wait for it, 
Captain America in a fat suit. For some unexplained or at least poorly explained reason, the Enchantress fails to use her lethargy spell to slow Captain America this time, and he proceeds to wallop Power Man throughout an entire city block before the villain finally slams Cap through a wall and down a flight of stairs. When he carries Cap back to his hideout, he's ambushed by the other Avengers. The team attacks with some solid cooperation for once and soon has Power Man cornered. Sensing defeat, Enchantress phases away, and Power Man, having nothing left to fight for, surrenders. Cap turns the recorded confession he took of Power Man over to the police. Oddly enough, Power Man goes free. The Avengers' names are cleared. City Council names this Sunday Avengers Day. And Cap decides to quit the team. Hooray! <laughs> the end. <laughs> I'm hoping this leads to less arguing next issue. Uh, our roll call, we have the same team, the Kooky Quartet. Uh, the bad guys are Power Man and Enchantress, and... The Circus of Crime, ever so briefly. So, tell me about The Circus of Crime. The Circus of Crime first appeared in Incredible Hulk number 3 in September 1962. They were created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, of course. They operated as a traveling circus and used Ringmaster's hypnotism skills to rob their audiences. Unfortunately for them, one of their victims was Rick Jones, who ran crying to his buddy the Hulk. Hulk resisted the circus's powers and had them imprisoned. On their release, they headed up to New York City, where they battled Daredevil and Spider-Man and lost again, as we talked about. I like the Circus of Crime. Oh, yeah. I, to you. I really like the. I love. First of all, so so the Circus of Crime is headed normally by the ringmaster, right. who is a normal guy that's got a hat that he can use to hypnotize people, and, as, as you do. <laughs> and, and it was an interesting idea that, like all of Stanley's ideas, was not well thought through. Because the idea being, well, we'll hypnotize the audience, put them in this trance. And then we'll rob them blind. And then they'll go home and they'll not suspect a thing. Right. Except everybody at the circus is not missing their wallet. <laughs> and aren't they all going to go, you know what, how I wallet when I went to the circus? And by the way, do you remember the last 45 minutes of your life? And when they come out of the hypnotized and they're still sitting in the bleachers at the circus yeah. and the circus isn't there anymore? Yeah. It seemed a little odd to me, but I, I like the concept. Uh, the ringmaster, besides the ringmaster, in this issue we have Princess Python. Her power is that she controls a big python. She controls. She's a snake trainer. Right. Uh, we have the human cannonball, whose original power was you could shoot him out of, a, out of a cannon. I think Stan realized how difficult it was going to be to utilize him in every situation. So basically... So now he just runs at people with yeah, his head down. Yeah, he has like a helmet on and he just, he just headbutts people. It's kind of silly. We have Clown, whose power is that he's a clown. Eventually, he has assorted trinkets that he uses. He also can ride a unicycle. Yeah, that's... Often useful in handy crimes. We have Bruno the Strongman. Bruto. Bruto. Is it Bruto? I yeah. thought it was Bruno. Bruto. B-R-U-T-O. His, na- his power is that he... Uh, He's strong. Uh-huh. <laughs> we, and we have the Flying Gambonos, who are our acrobats. Who uh, are useless if there's not a wire for them to swing off of. Their power is that they... Quicksilver wants to be like them. I, but I, I like the idea. I mean, obviously, they are useless in a fight against someone like the Avengers, which is not going to stop them from coming back to this book in about 30 issues and finding them again. But but they're not a bad power level threat for someone like Spider-Man. Spider-Man and Daredevil yeah. both fought them, and it kind of works because there's a bunch of them, and they've got interesting little things that they can do to keep them busy. But none of them actually have powers. No. No. They're all normal, normal I, people. I generally have a soft spot in my heart for themed villain teams. And they're they're very few and far between. So anytime you like force a theme onto someone, like these guys are all going to be circus people, and we're going to make sure that every one of them is some sort of character with a power. I guess like the Wrecking Crew were all like demolition things, but they didn't really. The record didn't look like a wrecking ball. Like Thunderball had a, a ball. I guess they swung around. 
and uh, DC has the Royal Flush Gang who all dresses up as playing cards somehow. You know what I mean? I'm thinking there's another themed supervillain team and I can't think of who they are. The Servant Society? Oh, right. They were great in Captain America. I love them. Yeah. I don't think we get to see them in the Avengers, sadly. But when we do our Captain America podcast, we'll talk about them quite a bit. Masters of Evil isn't really a a theme. No. (laughs) Or at least not a well-distinguished one. Brotherhood of Mutants, I guess, is a theme. No mutants, but that's a really pretty broad theme. At the beginning of the issue, Captain America does what Captain America does a lot of in this comic, which is leap to a conclusion. Mm. In this case, it's the conclusion that Power Man couldn't have planned this scheme. Why does Cap think that? He's never really interacted. He had one fight with him, at which point in time... Obviously, Power Man's not really, you know, they're pretty much just fighting. They don't know Power Man. It's not like they have a history with him being a big, dumb sack of sack of muscle. Why does he, why is he so sure that Power Man couldn't have planned this, that there has to be somebody else behind it? It seems like Cap loves making these leaps of logic, like, oh, Spider-Man robot must be Kang. Really? Really, Cap? <laughs> I could have sworn when Hawkeye attacked Power Man last issue that Enchantress was there. She is there, but she's she doesn't get into the fight. Like she she was she was watching from a window, and it was supposedly dark. I guess at some point it was pitch black, even though it wasn't. I'm sure that Hawkeye didn't see her. I'm sure immortals have good eyesight, so yeah. she could see them. Cap could be another Batman. He can brood. Oh, it was awful. It was totally against his character, though. The way he talked to everyone and the way he acted, and then. He apologizes to Hawkeye, of all people. I think that we can both agree that at this point in time, their characters are whatever Stan needs them to be this month. Well, they still have a certain um, ennui about them with his, uh, you know, pining for Bucky. Although he hasn't mentioned it by name lately, but that's still, you know, I'm a man out of time. With Bucky and Rick Jones out of his life, he must be going cold turkey. He's got to find a young teenage boy somewhere. It was nice to... So Hawkeye, as you mentioned, wants to go on the Ed Sullivan show, which is interesting (laughs) because he's never... I don't have any notes on the Ed Sullivan show. Well, I stopped. I think we all know what the... Hopefully everyone knows what the Ed Sullivan show, but it was a variety show yeah. in, in the 60s, and I think into the early 70s on NBC, maybe? I'm sure. I remember. Elvis was on it, I know that. And they only filmed him from the waist up because they didn't want him gyrating on camera. It is kind of nice that we see a return of Pietro's and Wanda's ambitions that we saw in the Commissar issue. Mmm, the Commissar. You, you mentioned as well when you're talking about the Circus of Crime that... They figure out that the Circus of Crime are a band of criminals because the Ringmaster tells them <laughs> yeah. we're a bunch of criminals. We're going to go rob some people. Wait, what? The Ringmaster basically comes to them and he's like, so here's what we do. And he, he tells them. He's like, this is, how we, this is how we operate. So you guys want to sign on? And it, it seems when you're reading it kind of silly. Why would you do that? But think about it. From the Ringmaster's point of view, these are three former criminals. Yeah, there's who, a chance. Who have been Avengers for, at most, two or three months tops. <laughs> of, so I think it actually makes a lot of sense that he would ask them. And I love, love, love the fact that when he realizes they're going to be a problem, he just calls the police. Yeah, he's awesome. like, I'm not going to fight these guys. I'm getting the police over here. I, have I mentioned that I like the Ringmaster of the Circus of Crime? I mean, I'm guessing that he. Well, obviously, they know that they've been kicked out of Avengers because people think that they're they're disbanded. I mean, he must have. It's not a huge conclusion to jump to. No, it actually makes sense. I mean, and it perpetuates Power Man and Enchantress's plan to discredit them further. I mean, he's like, I'm just going to call the cops because look, here's another instance of the Avengers doing something they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, for 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 us as as people that are reading this in 2015, these guys have been here for for 45, 50 years. So, it does seem odd, but at the time, it actually made a lot of sense. I don't understand why Wanda can't use her hex powers when she can't see. Yeah, that's... Why does uh, she have to be able to see to use her hex powers? Rounds. Don't know. It's never been talked about before. Love the kids wearing the Avengers and the FF t-shirts <laughs> arguing about which is better, but the, the one, the one uh, slam, the one kid says, Oh, yeah. Your uncle eats pickles, which... 
I took a picture of that. That'll be up on the Instagram account. I like it. I do. I think I'm going to start using that. I don't know what that means. And that made me all self-conscious because I actually enjoy eating pickles myself. <laughs> Wait, am I not supposed to eat pickles? The, the comic is going through the, the Avengers that were around before and telling us this is why they're not around. I love this point. I love that <laughs> not even Stan Lee knows or cares where Hank Pym is. Yeah, they fill you in on what Iron Man's been doing, what Thor's been doing, and then... No one knows what Giant Man's been up to, and yet they show a picture of him standing there with a crowd of people around him. I'm guessing those dozen people know what he's up to. And Stan, Stan's editor's note is, your guess is as good as ours. It, it says a lot about poor Hank Pym and where he fits into the uh, Marvel hierarchy. Captain America, Master of Disguise. Really not is. a talent that I knew he had. Who would have known? It's it's not a talent I think we'll ever see from him again, but then I've actually been wrong before when I've said, well, we won't see certain things again and they <laughs> pop back up. But I don't believe he does this again. I, I always mean, I always like, they show this in, in print and someone has a disguise on and it pops up every once in a while in a movie and the Mission Impossible movies do it where they wear a disguise. And I always think to myself, is that really believable? Like, can you not tell that that's a rubber mask that person has on their face? You would think. My favorite, of course, the people of our age, which is 29. Sure. Remember yeah, again. The, when we grew up, the bareness was, was notorious in G.I. Joe for ripping off masks all the yeah. time. But I think my absolute favorite disguise from that same period was an episode of the Transformers where Starscream is dressed as, I believe, Optimus Prime. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> off the rubber, <laughs> robot costume. And the whole costume comes out and his wings pop out and everything. It was great. Ah, oh, Transformers. That's for Andrew Griffith. It's a Transformers reference. This is the last issue branded as a Marvel pop art production. Oh, that's a shame. Already. What was that? Three, four issues that lasted? Captain America in this issue fights Power Man for approximately like 18 pages. It's it's a long fight. And then the other Avengers come in and they help him. And we again, they, they say when he's like, how'd you get past the Enchantress? I believe one of them says they knocked her out. She will eventually regain consciousness and run away. Yeah, there's a scene you can see when he shows up with Captain America back at the house. You can see her legs like she's laying on the floor. Again, why don't we get to see the fight against the Enchantress? Because she's you, a woman, you know. That's the thing. I remember way back when the wasp got shot in the lung, and I made a comment about... <laughs> she almost died from having a collapsed lung. I remember that we, we... I made a comment about the fact we don't get to see it. And I think that you poo-pooed my comment. But this is again and again and again where the women don't get to fight. I don't understand why we I, can't see women fight. I wonder if it's a sign of the times, like the TV shows where even a married couple, you couldn't show them sleeping in a bed together. They always slept in separate beds. It might just be some moral thing where you can't show anyone punching the this woman in the face and knocking her out. The Power Man gets to walk at the end of the issue, as usual. Yeah. Because there are no charges that can be filed against him. Really? Assault? Conspiracy? Fraud? Something? I don't know. Anything? Is there? Was there assault? Did he punch he someone first? Avengers. Or did they fight him? I mean, they trespassed... Captain America trespassed into his apartment, but whatever. Who threw the first punch? Oh, that's a good point. All right, maybe you're right. Is there... guess you could maybe trump up a conspiracy charge because they tried to frame the Avengers, but that's pretty shaky, too. I mean, the Avengers walked into all that stuff themselves. So the DA's like, no. Yeah, but it's funny in the same scene. They're standing there turning that tape over, and in the, the next panel, you see Power Man walking out. And he looks so sad. Poor Power Man. They beat me. I lost the love of my life. Do you have anything else on the, uh, before we get to the other stuff? The letters and such? Well, let's let's do a recap. Uh, Scarlet oh, Witch Hexes. Okay. Uh, she made the clown trip and then fly away on a deflating balloon. And she, <laughs> and she threw a curtain over Power Man's head with her hex powers. She's a, she is a real enemy of curtains. And drapery. <laughs> they better uh, watch out when she's around. Hawkeye's arrows this issue included a smoke arrow. 
uh, a twirling wire arrow that he shot around the flying Gambanos, and a high-intensity sound arrow. Is it Gambanos or Gamboneheads? Sorry. Same thing. That's, yeah, well, that's, I'm glad you're keeping track of this. We'll put that in the Avenging Hour database. Uh, the letters pages. Before we get the letters page, oh. I believe this is the first bullpen bulletins page. Oh, I don't have that in my copy. Excellent. Yep, we see the first, but there's absolutely nothing interesting for me to mention on the bullpen bulletins page, but we've talked before about how on the letters pages, they would often, we say the letters page, but it's really pages because it's been two pages now for quite a while, and they often would talk about what's coming up. And they've moved most of that business now over to the bullpen bulletins, where they talk about, they have news items, they talk about, usually where they talk about um, personalities, they talk about Joe Sinnott, they talk about Adam Austin, that's not his real name. What's his real name? Yeah, I think we all, that's uh, Gene Cullen. I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm going to leave and come back in a couple minutes. <laughs> they talk about Stanley writing other books, and they talk about uh, Jack Kirby inking himself. Then they talk about, they have their checklist, which they have had in the letters page. The checklist moves over here. Uh, they they do some ads, the coupons over here. And they've been printing the names of members of the Mary Marvel Marching Society, which we talked about some episodes ago. They've been printing those as well. So all that's now... And bullpen bulletins. Are there any names in there that you recognize? No, I've been looking. Okay. And so we move to, that means we've got more room for letters. And the letters page is right. No, that just means we put pictures in the letters pages now. Yeah, I noticed that. I do, that shows up in the copy that I have, but I don't have any of the ads or anything. I, one of the, and, and they are still doing some business on the letters page because they mention up here that starting this month, X-Men and Daredevil are now monthly titles. Which means that all of their superhero books are now monthly. We had talked about how they start a lot bi-monthly because... So at this point in time, the deal that they had to distribute their comics has been somewhat loosened. They, they can do more. I believe it was eight when we first talked about it. They yeah, can now eight. distribute more than that a month. It's not wide open like they'd like it to be. They still have a lot of split books like Tales of Suspense and Tales to Astonish. But at least it's they, they've got a little bit more leeway. And this is because the distributor is the same people that own... DC. Yes. But I'm assuming at this point they realize that Marvel's making them money, so they're going to let them do a few more. Exactly. Uh, did you have any letters you wanted to point out? Uh, just a quick one. Uh, there's a, a letter from a David McKidd of Winnipeg, Canada. Uh, he calls the Marvel staff out for all the um, anti-communist stuff that's been going on. And he says that, uh, this is a, in quotes, well, I'm putting this in quotes. He says that, quote, perhaps thousands of people in the world think communism is good and should not be painted as wholly evil, uh, but Stan Lee does not appreciate that suggestion at all. He does not. He goes off on a rant about how bad communism is and how people are dying over in Vietnam. And Yeah, it's interesting because David McKidd's point is somewhat well taken. He says, I, I, I believe democracy is better than communism. But I'm just saying, communism isn't necessarily the evil that you make it out to be. Right, so you can't say that everyone in Vietnam is evil just yeah. because it's run by communists. And Stan Lee is, as you say, is having none of it. Yeah. It's, again, one of his rare, serious answers to a letter. <laughs> it's the last one, isn't it? It the is last the letter. last one. Good note to leave on, I guess, then. As for influencing younger minds, we'd rather they read our little fantastic fables in the pages of Pravda. Right? Way to go, Stan. Yeah, you showed them. All right, that's it. Uh, MVP of this issue. I think we have to say Captain America. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a master of disguise, sure, and he sure. does. I mean, he's the only one that really does the issue. <laughs> yeah. He saves the day, really. My useless character this issue, you're going to be shocked. 
It's actually Hawkeye. Really? Yeah. I don't really think he does anything. Well, I don't think any of them do anything except for Captain America, but I would pick Quicksilver simply because he turns on Cap at one point in this in this issue, like on a dime when they're arguing at the beginning Stop of the issue. Stop your fingers. <laughs> Sorry. That was right at the beginning. Yeah, and Hawkeye actually has to hold him back. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> when, the, when the ringmaster calls the police... Quicksilver runs from them like nothing and leaves Hawkeye and Wanda in the dust. I'm like, they're like, he's like, yeah, you guys make your own way from the police. I am out of here, Quicksilver. Fair enough. Avengers level threat? No. Still no. I'm saying yes just because they added the circuits of crime. And if they all would have worked together, it might have been a threat. I'm giving that. I'm giving that. <laughs> Put an so asterisk next to I that just, one. <laughs> I just, I just, I said might have been. I just <laughs> want to take a moment to just make sure I understand what you're saying. You're saying that the Enchantress and Power Man aren't an Avengers level threat. But, but if, if you give them someone with a top hat, yes, a unicycle, and two guys that can tumble, <laughs> then we're Avengers level threat. Yep. Okay, just marking that one down. Uh, final grade. I gave it a B minus. Me too. Exact oh, same grade I did because it's not. It, it doesn't have quite the same amount of ridiculous uh, problems that the last issue did. Yeah, and it, it moves nicely. There's some good action in it. Yeah. So it's you know. I would say that these two issues, while no one can say that they are my favorite issues, these two issues are fine. For the time period in which they are they are printed, they are acceptable Avengers comics. Yeah, sure. We've seen worse. So that's it. Episode 11, all done. Episode 11, all done. I'm yeah, just going to yeah, repeat yeah. what you say. Awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Um, send us emails mail at avengingour.com uh, find us on twitter and instagram at avengingour um, whatever else you want to do don't tell us about it <laughs> iTunes five stars oh right iTunes yeah yeah you're listening to this you found us somewhere just you know appreciate it show some appreciation for once people oh, is that too much <laughs> got, a little, that? got a little too far alright I'm, I'm just gonna go then hey thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next time ta ta